Welcome, everybody, to the Piece of Perspective podcast. This is podcast episode number 358, We're being recorded July 15th, 2015. I'm Alan Malbantano. I'm Jeremy Holstrom. I'm Josh Walrus. And we got nobody else. So uh, Ryan nobody. is out on family business, business at the moment, uh, just making sure that uh, mama and baby get home all okay and everything. So he will be back with us hopefully next week. Uh, this podcast is well, it's probably just going to be a dud. We'll just call it right now. It's been like a slow week. It's not a lot on there, but hey, it might actually be a short one. This is usually the and best he podcast. Cursed us. Yeah, this might actually be a short podcast. Holy crap. Um, if you would like to see future longer podcasts, or uh, maybe even shorter ones, who knows, uh, you can subscribe to our mailing list. We got a non-spam mailing list. We do not let Josh have access to this. You will not that, get any. That joke will never get old. Apparently, you will not get any Josh Tech stuff here. Well, you know, because we get people. What if I get good it. products that I can sell? No, for money that no. you like. Mm-mm. Like that I'm email. Pretty sure I, got. I can edit that page. I'll add a second mailing list to the book. <laughs> you know, I'm royalty from Nigeria. <laughs> Are you going to try to sell me a pallet full of quadros as well, like that other guy? Oh, quadros. No. that's an email that you got. I got that email. Pallet full of quadros. Yeah. All right. Sweet. We might have one of those in the back here somewhere. Maybe. Actually, there's a box full of quadros right over there. Um, so we have a mailing list. You uh, simply submit your name and your email address, and then we send out emails before we record live events, such as this podcast or other interviews that might be occurring in the future. Next up is Things. the bad news. Oh, We'll just start it with the bad news. So for several reasons, this being the big one, uh, we are not going to QuakeCon this year. Josh doesn't get to drink his free beer. There's no such thing as free beer. There's always a a price to be paid. It was pretty free. Free as in beer? It was pretty free that one time. Yeah. Yeah, we just sat down to record a podcast and someone just plunked a six-pack on the desk in front of us. That That was pretty free. Freeing? It was free yeah. as well, yeah. Um, so we can't make QuakeCon this year, guys. We are very sorry. Uh, mainly due to uh, the very premature young arrival, young, arrival, young Shrout arrival, uh, who will be making it home very, very shortly here. But just uh, that, it would have been impossible for Ryan and the rest of the team here to be able to organize for QuakeCon and then, you know... If the father of the brand new child was leaving to go to a week-long event so shortly after premature baby made it home, I think uh, might be the single father, Ryan Shrout, in, this, in the future. So we're just going to let him uh, break in the house and the baby properly without taking long trips. The baby. And clean out that closet. And clean out that See, that's the other thing. Like He would not have been able to clean out shelves and shelves and racks of old PC gear 
you know, I, I realized he was going for like the time capsule thing. Like belongs to the museum. It it did. There's a lot of stuff that was that was in there. If you followed Ryan's uh, Twitter feed over the past couple of weeks, he he posted a bunch of those pictures up and uh, definitely some impressive old stuff. He brought a box of hard drives into the office and like. I'm supposed to put my drill press through them and half of them I'm like maybe I'll just secure erase this one because it looks you mean image no 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 <laughs> um, yeah but he's, he had all sorts of relics in that in that closet basically he just like shut the door of that room in his house when they moved to the PC Perspective office and uh, about when I started working here. Yeah, he just didn't open it. Like before I moved into town, I, I came in and we were house hunting and I stayed over at his place and it was the guest room. And then there was yeah, it's kind of like that Larry movie where he just goes into his little vault and they just close it up and years <laughs> yeah. pass. Yeah. They open it up and everything is pristine. That's pretty well, much except his wife and Larry. Well, He's well, not very pristine. Yeah. Yeah, but I stayed in the guest room, and then across the hall was like just this room with the door closed. Like Biohazard teeth. Yeah, it was almost. It was just like it looked Crime like the door. Scene, do not cross. Yeah, it looked like the door. They just walk right past, go into their bedroom every night, and just like never go in there. This nice size room, you know, it's gonna be great for the kids' room, but you know, you had to like open the door and like, you know, <laughs> a couple weeks ago, and start emptying the whole thing out. Anyhow, so we won't make it. Stay we regret tuned. it. Huh? We'll stay tuned. We'll be there in spirit. We will be there in spirit. Uh, there might be some surprises that just appear at QuakeCon that are PC Perspective related. Um, and I'll leave it at that. We're, we're trying to do some kind of sneaky stuff remotely. We really do wish we were there because then after the after that we realized it was, oh crap, it's the 20th anniversary. They're doing the exclusive Fallout Quake 4 Con. thing. Yeah, yeah, they're doing the Fallout 4 thing. There's all Master sorts Pancake of... is Jurassic Park. Yes. I couldn't even Great. like... Yeah, it's mm, a lot of stuff that we regret to be missing. But we will do it again next year. So hold off on your desire to have hardware thrown at you in a large crowd of crazy, screaming people. Uh, It'll have to wait one more year. Sorry, guys. All right. So uh, I guess might as well just get right into, you know, stuff. The stuff. We can review stuff. Start with that. Uh, first up, uh, Ryan wrote this, so we have no support from the Ryan. However, Ryan did a bunch of testing on uh, Fury X and GTX 980 Ti's two-way and three-way, since we just happen to have three Fury X's in the office, and uh, you know, figured we might as well take advantage of that and see how it compared. Right? Makes sense. Who wants to talk about this one? Oh, about it. Well, essentially, uh, what he found out. Let me pause and clear my throat. Oh. He's got to do that. Him, him, him. Is my theory? Him. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to do that every time from now on. It has to happen. Nice. Nice. Uh you know, the Fury and, and, and 980 Ti are pretty evenly matched. 980 Ti is a little bit faster in some things, Fury and some others. So we were kind of curious to see how they would scale in multi-GPU. Now, uh, basically the long and short of it is Fury scales a little bit better in Crossfire, especially at two of them. Ti scales pretty well, but not nearly as good. Now, we could 
possibly attribute that to the XDMA uh, controllers in both the Furies that allow you know direct memory access in between the two cards through the PCIe bus without having to go through main memory or anything like that. doesn't have the over-the-top connector that NVIDIA does. And uh, AMD claims that they have a little bit uh, better bandwidth performance. And uh, it just seems to scale a little bit better. Um, when you get to three card, yes, it's a little bit faster, but the scaling is horrendous. It's just, I don't know why anybody even tries to do that, much less quad yep. scaling. Which it's, one was the bad, there was like a really bad example or an example of a bad case. Most of the frame times. GTA 5 is really poor. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, you know, things like uh, Skyrim, of course, didn't scale at all. Uh, GTA 5, which will often go above the 4 gigs, it, again, had lots of nastiness in there. Plus, it's, you know, it is a newer title, and, and perhaps AMD can get around with some, some driver optimizations to improve that. But as you can see, it looks like somebody vomited <laughs> um, after eating some, some Cosby Clay Quaaludes. Yes, we're and, seeing uh, some slight variations in the frame times here. Yes, yes, and it's it just... You know, multi-GPU takes multiple people working together to do well. The developer needs to go through some of their tweaks in the engine, uh, how they, you know, access memory, how they present textures, how they do all kinds of things in, in their engines to get SLI to work or Crossfire. And then also, obviously, NVIDIA and AMD have a lot of work in their drivers. They do a lot of testing in their labs of individual applications, and they create, you know, kind of special use cases and uh, executables, and well, not executables, but but libraries and 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 profiles that will allow these titles to perform best in these certain scenarios. And the thing that probably is most sobering is, I think someone came out with uh, some figures. And I don't know if this is worldwide or just in North America. I'm assuming it's worldwide. But the amount of people that actually utilize multi-GPU is about 300,000 people, more or less. And when you consider we live in a world of 7 billion people and and how many gamers are out there, you look on Steam, uh, it's like, hey, there's 4 million people concurrent on Steam. Only a fraction of them are actually using multi-GPU. So it's, it's kind of interesting to see as much leverage as NVIDIA and AMD push towards saying, hey, you know, we have these multi-GPU solutions. They're, they're great. We, we develop for them. They move out well. Um, but they just are not adopted by all that many people. I mean, how many of you guys have multi-GPUs? Alan, I think you do, right? Or no? I do. I've got a pair of 680s. Yeah, I've got a pair of uh, 970s, uh, but that has been only recently, like yeah. in the last three or four weeks that I did that previously. I've only been one card except, uh, I think, what, in the uh, 6900 series with AMD. I did Crossfire and Surround, and yeah, that was before frame pacing. So when yeah. I went to a faster single CPU, GPU, and I went from that to from Crossfire to that, even though 
recorded frames, of course, were slower. It was a better experience because everything was smoother. Um, what did you guys get from this article? Alan, Jeremy? I got to hear uh, Three Fury X's running at the same time. <laughs> How was that? <laughs> it was kind of a weird, like, you know, you get two kids, like, screaming at almost the same pitch. They're just a little so bit off. So they weren't quite t- pitched together? There's there were a little bit off. Yeah, so you get, like, a ring, oh. a nice ringing effect. Like, and then imagine that with three children. Yeah, well, it's like walking yeah. into a server room, and every four millimeter fan is just slightly differently yeah. pitched. Yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of it's very similar to that. It's surprisingly yeah. similar to that. Once yeah. we find like the baritone Fury X, we can start getting like the whole dynamic range. Yes, here. yes, we need there a musical musical thing of Fury X's. The um, barbershop quartet of Fury X's. <laughs> in, in its defense, like two or three of them, even though it's a little bit louder, I think like the ringing kind of aside, like it it kind of just. I guess well, they drown the, themselves them out slightly. Frequencies, so they're ter- perfectly silent. Oh yeah, yeah. I wish right. if one of them was completely out of phase, just perfectly yeah. with the other one. Yeah, that would have been awesome. Yeah, but, two wasn't really more annoying than one. Yeah, when he was doing the the three way stuff, like it didn't really. And, and you have one card blocking the other. Yeah, so that helps. Yeah, that's what I noticed. Like the the three way, it didn't seem to bother me as much as just even the single card. But when he was running the single card, that was our. The sample that has like the pitchy sound it kind of overwhelms all the other sounds. So, don't buy through graphics cards and put them together. Yes, unless yeah, you're I mean, doing compute. That's, that's the big takeaway from this. Like, you really don't need triple SOI. If you SOI can afford that, you can crossfire. afford some noise blocking headphones and not even know what's going on. I guess it's just the performance they, is stupid. Yeah, I mean, two way. Yeah. The, the only reason I went the two way was just kind of as a stopgap. Because I wasn't quite ready to upgrade, and like we, you know, the six eighties in this office sit kind of towards the bottom of the shelves at this point. Like, so I could get away with just like borrowing one for a while until I got something faster. Borrow? Um, yeah, I mean, do you have a video card I could borrow? That's pretty much what it was. It was like, do you have a six eighty? How much for a rib? You How know, much for one rib? One rib. One six eighty. Shot a coke in my hand for a dime. How about I cup my hands and you pour the water in it? All right. Um, so, yeah, that's the takeaway. Um, I mean, I'm still... I would say, even though I'm running SLI right now, like I personally just prefer a single GPU if I can get away with it. Like That's the ideal to me. It's just one GPU. You're not worried about a game being tuned for multi-GPU or weird driver issues or any of that. You, know, you just save yourself a whole bunch of headache, in my opinion, at least. Um, but if I was going to do multi-GPU, I wouldn't go past two myself. You don't like losing performance when you add in the third GPU? Uh, yeah. You don't like that? Well, the third the third one was basically, like, in, in a lot of in, these... In a couple of cases, it was negative. Yeah, yeah, like, it just didn't do anything, because, well, you as you go higher in the numbers, like, there's just a less of a percent, you know, less of a chance of people doing it, right? Just by the percentages of people running two, three, and four-way, right? So... If you're a game developer for a particular game and you're sitting in the, in the meeting room and figuring out, all right, what are we going to make work with this game? You know, all right, well, well most people are doing two-way. Also, figure out it, it makes things really complex. I'm sorry to run over you like this, yeah. but think of it this way: how DirectX and OpenGL do is they they present a frame, and there's another frame in the buffer. And if you've got triple buffering, then you've got a third frame in the buffer, and it goes back and forth. But you've now you've got three cards. And you have to try to balance out six to nine frames in terms of timing. Yeah. And it gets really, really, really tough 
but that's why you see so much more variance because the GPU can't really control and the driver can't control it nearly as well when you've got that much more chaos. So you've got you know you're running around at 60 frames per second, and then in in a span of five to ten seconds you have multiple drops of 35 to 25. How do you space that out when you've got nine frames potentially to try to not you don't mix and match because they're all in obvious order yeah. of being presented, but it just gets really tough to do that if if you had some kind of super controller. And it could more adequately control when those frames are presented. And in one part, it would be smooth in that what you're looking at would be smooth, but your input would be so variable and random. It's like, hey, this is instantaneous. Why am I not turning? Okay, I'm finally turning. I mean, it just... It's... It's a lot of juggling and balancing act, and it's just not easy to do once you get, you know, it's it's hard enough to do with one card. Just ask AMD with with how they've uh, handled that in the past with the uh, different uh, different cards. But once you add another card and a third, and God forbid a fourth, it just gets nuts. Mind you, AMD's getting a lot better at adding that second card. They I mean, are. Not so much at the normal resolution, but why are you running two Fury Xs on a normal resolution? At 4K, it was actually still scaling up, whereas the NVIDIA card was about, yeah, I'll give you an extra 18 20%. Whereas AMD was jumping up significantly more than that at the higher resolution. So, I mean, HBM might be a good thing as we get, you know, 5K and going up. At least the architecture looks like it. All right, next item up for bid. Speaking of Fury X's, if you take off the X, you get this. You get a furry. As soon as Ken switches to my... Come on, Ken. There we go. It was way funnier that I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Because you just look like an idiot. Just leave me hanging. You get this. You get my laptop without without the X now. All right, so uh, Sapphire Radeon R9 Fury. So basically... The Fury without the X, right? No water pump, just an air-cooled GPU. Uh, they cl- they downclock the uh, GPU frequency slightly compared to the Fury X. And then, what does the shader what, units what drop? Eight, drop eight, by fourteen uh, percent. Right? Yeah. So it's from two fifty six to two twenty four. So it's a fourteen percent drop. Well. That's texture units. Cores is yeah, yeah. forty nine six to thirty five eighty four, which is also twelve percent, which makes sense. Okay, so slight percentage drop of the uh, number of cores and shaders that can handle everything. Slight drop on the speed at which they can do those things. So, same memory interface. Yep, same, same memory interface. All the other stuff's the same. Uh, so lo and behold, that works out to, you know, just slightly slower than a Fury X. Right. For a hundred dollars less, for a hundred dollars less, so that puts it uh, within striking distance of a nine eighty, right? It's like fifty dollars more than a nine eighty, roughly, or so. Guys, fellas, how much? Anybody? What? What did you ask again? About fifty percent. This is this is about. No, it's not fifty percent. That would be fifty percent. It's about a hundred bucks less. Oh, <laughs> is that what you're talking about? No, compared to a nine eighty, not a nine eighty Ti. Oh, 980. No, it's 50 bucks more expensive. Yeah, it's 50 bucks more expensive yeah. than a 980. 
but percent-wise, it ends up being about that much faster. Yeah, so about ten percent than a nine eighty. About ten percent faster than nine eighty. Um, because math is hard. Because math is hard. I mean, it's so as far as like Don't where it's one of valves easy. As, as far as where it's priced, it makes sense, right? It's nice that they priced it in that way. You know that you're getting about you know compared to the competition. You're it's not a perfect match to the competition of performance. It performs a little bit better than nine eighty, but it costs a little bit more than nine eighty. Okay, that's fair. That's good. Um. So they're maximizing their uh, earning ability by matching market conditions. Yeah, yeah. Funny how that works. Yeah. Um, Capitalism. Haha. <laughs> Funny. Yeah. It was. Uh, it was much quieter than a Fury X. I will definitely give it that. While Ryan was testing it. Well, it didn't have a wine. Didn't have a wine. But I mean, it's like you know, if if you. If you look at our sound testing numbers, which couldn't factor in the wine because we didn't record those, yeah, couldn't record the frequencies. It's just a little louder because it's using three fans instead of a pump and a radiator. Yeah, but definitely yeah. not, definitely not loud. This is the card that was like real aggressive about spinning down the fans, right? Yeah, as soon as you would exit the game, it turned the fans yeah. off. Even if the GPU was still like sixty-five degrees C, it would yeah. turn the fans off when you were in Windows. Which seemed kind of weird. Ryan was, you know, raising an eyebrow to it. I initially raised an eyebrow to it, but I kind of liked that kind of a fan profile better like because you know it no i'm assuming it's t- factoring in what its own load is as opposed to just its temperature so if it's weighing that as well it you know eventually you're gonna cool down if you're no longer producing the heat sure the gpu might still be hot at that ver that moment that you shut the game down but like my rig at home that's when i that's the only time i ever hear my gpus running like the fans running is after i'm exiting a game right because then they're still spun up and then it takes them a few minutes to spin down for a you know GPU temperature to drop. Um, so I actually prefer the the method that either Sapphire or AMD. I'm not sure which. No Sapphire. Is it Sapphire specifically that does yeah. that tuning? Yeah. I guess. Okay. And, and, I mean, if you think about it, you should already if you have this GPU in a case like most people do, there's already airflow going across the GPU from yeah. other case fans. So it makes it makes sense. Yeah, it, ma- it makes sense. Um, and anyone that's a little bit leery about uh, water cooling, still at this point, they don't even have to consider it. There you go. Yeah, I mean, really, because you know when you're running the game, as long as you're using speakers or headphones or anything, I mean, chances are you're hearing the game over the, you know, over the GPU fans anyway. But I was diehard water cooling for the longest time. I had like water cooling rig, and then I just it was when I added that second 680. I wanted to be able to do that without involving plumbing and an extra hundred dollars for a water block. And I was just like, okay, I'm gonna do one last round of plumbing, and that is to deplumb. And then I just went with uh, I didn't go quite Mori style on my CPU cooler either. Um, so it's not a perfectly you got quiet the Intel stock cooler sitting there. No, no, no. I do not have an Intel <laughs> stock cooler sitting in there either. But you know, you just know some... I always thought that that possibly getting, you know, one of those mini fridges, and getting styrofoam and and do a little holes in there for all the plugs and getting a, a de uh, humidifier, de, well, dehumidifying type, De-icer? you know, material in there. Um, I always thought that'd be kind of fun and cool to do, but. Never got around to it. As long as you don't have air leakage into that space, like you wouldn't yeah. have to worry about moisture. Well, no, I mean you you put the stuff in there initially, and yeah. you close it all up, mm-hmm. and it dries it all out, and then you you know set it to zero degrees and yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and forget about it. Yeah, hopefully, yeah. 
But uh, or if you could just figure out a way to hook your radiator up into your actual fridge, into the Freon on the back, that hmm. might help too. The hmm. possibilities are. In- this is something I looked at back in 1997, and I've never really looked back since. Just cut two holes in your in your fridge, pain in the ass. and then plumb plumb into your fridge, and then just keep the radiator sitting on the shelf. Yeah, they, but I don't want water cool. I want air cooling. One for the top. <laughs> I just want to keep air cooling in a refrigerator. Just yeah, don't so just don't put the steaks anywhere near that that water cooler <sighs> that you got sitting there because they might defrost. Yeah. Josh's, anyway, Josh's wife yelling at him. Did you About play beer. grid for three beer? hours last night? The steaks are defrosted. Mm-hmm. No, I figure if I put enough beer in there, it'll act as as yeah. kind of a, a thermal. thermal buffer. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it'll keep the surrounding area cooler because it can absorb more heat into the beer. And that way, it'll always come out a nice 45 degrees, which is good to drink. And then Josh invented beer cooling. Yes. Of a PC. Hmm. Well, I smell money. It's the next million What's dollar idea. What's the specific idea. heat of an IPA? Yeah, 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 we'll figure it out. It's the hops that tell you they make it. Holds holds that more heat. depends on the specific gravity, to be honest. It actually would. So, you yeah, know, the really higher the alcohol content, the, the potentially more heat that the bottle can contain. And if you open the bottles and the alcohol starts evaporating off, then you're cooling your PC better. Yes, evaporating. <laughs> evaporating. Evaporating. <laughs> drinking would not cool it. Unless you're drinking it so fast that you're creating a vacuum in the beer bottle. I hear a challenge. That probably is a challenge. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, next up, Lee wrote up a Corsair RM850i fully modular 850-watt power supply for us. Uh, man, 1500 there are 850 watts. Oh, sorry. I was looking at the lineup here because they go all the way up to 1,500. Did you know Corsair makes 34 different models of power supply? Yeah, I did not. Ranging from 350 watt to 1,500 watt? That is a lot of models. That's that's a lot that that's a lot of price ranges. Yeah, that's pretty much every price range. Yeah. That's like, like you know. Like $10, $15 increments. Yeah. The line, yeah, probably. it's like if we got a $15 hole here. We can make this one for $7 more than the other one. We'll just squeeze it in there. Um, branded something different call it good yeah well it's kind of funny because that's literally the difference between the RM and the RMI that when Lee priced it out there was a $10 difference between the the non uh, Corsair Link model which also happens to come with a two year longer warranty at seven years yeah than the base model it was a $10 difference yep $10 versus $159.99 I mean if you're spending that much would you like to upgrade your power supply for only $10 more Sure. No. You got me. Would you like to upgrade your power supply from this one for only $10 more? <laughs> and then you, you just like keep repeating. The warranty. And then you that's how you end repeating. up with an AX1500i. Yes, that's how you end up there. <laughs> and then you end up installing mufflers for people. <sighs> All right, so as usual, we put this through his just onslaught of random test bench-based gear that I drool over every time I read a power supply review from Lee. And, uh, let's see. Uh, well, basically, I mean, overall, he was impressed. He usually is with the Corsair power supplies. You guys showed the interior shot, like Ryan likes to do. Oh, yeah. Oh, the interior shot? Sexy brown caps. Uh, a detailed look. As at the ripped open 
Come on, Lee. Open it. You, you can, can do, do it. it. Mm. Can, oh, it's on the next oh, page. Oh, he, he baited us. Such a tease. It is. Oh, there we go. Oh, so there you go. Two huge electrolytics sitting there. Right, Josh? That's the right. That was some super caps. Just two huge <laughs> tracks of super duper caps. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, looks like Ooh. looks like good construction. What? Has he done this in the past? Where he Has he drawn all, all the boxes? Components? This might be a box from... Oh, no, he did this. Yeah, no, yeah. he did this. He's nice. done it once Look or twice at that. before. That's nice. Isn't it? Yeah, buddy. Bulk aluminum electrolytic capacitors. Well, so, so nice that we have an electrical engineer on staff. <laughs> yeah, it comes in handy. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. It comes in handy for power supply reviews. Yeah. Especially. All right, so... And then there's more picks of the guts. So, uh, pros and cons, he's got a whole bunch of pros. And then uh, weakness, he listed as a minor weakness, was uh, the low fan speed causes the power supply to run a little warm at medium power levels. But, yeah, you know. Yeah, even start spinning until 40% load at about a 25 degrees Celsius to room temperature. Yeah. So a lot of the, and there's actually a button on it to make the fan turn on just in case you're worried. But you know what? Honestly, a good idea. It's got a seven-year warranty. <laughs> Run until it's dead. So, <laughs> just, you know, it's running hot. Okay, fine. If you happen to be running at a sweet spot for where the fan hasn't kicked in yet and it's running hot. Um, if it doesn't fail in seven years, it'll probably last a few more. <laughs> and you'll probably be good. Um, so, yeah, there's that. All right, so that's it for the reviews. And then we got a few news items. First up. Uh-oh. What is this? It's from Scott. It must be a Windows 10 piece. Uh-huh. Microsoft spends the availability of builds tomorrow. What does that mean? You just can't download them from their site anymore? You can no longer activate the preview of Windows 10. Oh. Okay. So that must mean something's coming pretty soon. I, they pushed an update Tweet. today that people are saying is RTM. I don't know if that's been confirmed. I think it might have been confirmed. Well, you know, somebody actually made an article about the number and what it really meant. Uh, and it turned into BuzzFeed? Like a article about how 10 to 40 actually means all kinds of things. Like base 1024, get it? Times oh, come zero. on. Don't go all like Illuminati on the build number. You don't think they picked that build number for that reason? 240? Uh, 10? 240. 10, 10 24, 24. 0. Yeah, no, I get it. I mean, I'm sure they were close and they went, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Guys, guess what? Ah, funny. Yeah. It's it's like, you know, Something one like- simple number that will drive reporters crazy. <laughs> Click here now. Yeah. And then, and then in that same meeting, they were like, yeah, but, you know, the actual one's going to be this and it's higher. And then they go, but the reporter guys will go crazy, and they said, "Okay, fine, just do it." And they just re- renumbered one of the preview, like before RTM builds to ten twenty four. Anyway, two weeks, two weeks. Hopefully. I can't believe it's already July fifteenth. Yeah, that, that's a whole other thing. But yeah, there's that. Everything is just flying by these days. Last fifteen years have been flying by. Yeah, didn't yeah. seem that long ago that I was uninstalling a Banshee and putting in a 
stinking GeForce 2 GTS. Just <laughs> mind-boggling. All right, Jeremy. What is this? Oh, it, this is my life right now, and absolutely <laughs> mind-boggling. I they the 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 number that the register quoted was seventy percent of all enterprise present in the UK. Still based most of their infrastructure off of Windows Server two thousand three, which passed away. Just. Just a wee but it was such a good ago. little OS. I mean, it just oh. ran and ran and ran. It was in 32 yep. and 64 bit flavors. Everything was developed for it. Why? I'd put some money on the DoD or the government in general forking over some cash for extended support on this, like they did with 600 XP. bucks a server? Um, it is literally 600 bucks a server for the extended, which is. A, a step above best effort, but not that much. Yeah. So this will be all fine because one of the reasons that a lot of people use 2003, not 2000, not 2008 or 2012, uh, is that this was a workhorse. This thing just worked and it works to today and it will continue to work. So it is kind of hard to sell to the people with the money that, no, you really need to start thinking about an upgrade. Okay, well, it's a brand new one. Well, you know, 2016 isn't quite out yet. We could totally redo our infrastructure to the Azure cloud, and that would be interesting. So it's a really hard sell, and it will be until the first major unpatched vulnerability starts spreading around, and you start watching these servers dropping like flies. It's inevitable. It's going to happen. Everyone should sort of start thinking about getting into business as, you know, third-party support for... Server 2003 will just randomly send you patches. Uh, just grab like a two patch for 2012, redo the serial or redo the uh, registry entry so it attaches to it and see what happens. <laughs> no, no, no. What could possibly go it wrong with, worked, that, right? with Jeremy, that kernel there's update? A, there's a way better cache grab here. Uh-oh. I am announcing my new software, which changes the registry string to report to server <laughs> 2012 so that you that pass way. compliance testing. <laughs> Yeah, and, and that's the other thing is that just about every corporation that you deal with, every health provider that you deal with, every law enforcement and healthcare professional that you deal with is lying through their teeth if they say that they're using software that's compliant with general terms and conditions that you would expect to have because they're running 2003 somewhere in there and hell, so they probably still run an NT clients too. Yep. So yeah, the OS died and nobody cared. Pour one out. Yet. Oh, well. God, 2003, 64 just worked. When did, yeah. It worked when well. Did, when did, still does. When did 2003 R2 come out? Because I assume it was in 2003. 2003 <sighs> R2. Oh, it was 2000, almost Wait. 2005, I think. Yeah. That was 2005 in the latest versions. Yeah. Yeah. It's a shame. Yeah, it was before, uh, yeah. I, started, before I started adding Metro. To the server OS. Yes. Well, if you ever do put 2016, and apparently it's also going to come with a GUI, a GUI list form, just straight out command line into it, which I think is interesting. Well, you know what? The, so, so what's the latest version of server? 2012 R2 actually has that as well. Mm-hmm. You can do GUI. Yep. You can do GUI list. Sort of. It's it awesome. just. It's just a. Yeah, PowerShell. It, no, it's just a. 
explore like a blank explorer window with a PowerShell window on top of it. It isn't like a Linux. Pro- it isn't like a Bash prompt. It's still no, no, running. No. Basic it's still explorer. in a window. It's still a yeah. window, which cracks yeah. me up. Yeah, they just took all the extra, you know, other gooey crap out they of just it. Just took but... away all of the other buttons. Yeah, and then <laughs> they probably figured it's out that it was easier. Like I'm pro- sure it was probably easier for them it was to more compatible. Like to just go okay, just go in a low res video mode. Just put a put a command prompt window up there. Put a PowerShell window up there. You're good. Don't want all the other, you know, user 32 GUI crap. It, well, no, I, I just think it's funny that they have to draw a window for command prompt only. <laughs> sure, <laughs> that's the point. Stealing valuable cycles to draw that window. SSH into it, Telnet into it, <laughs> run PowerShell. You don't yeah. even have to worry about that. But True that. Yeah, because you know, even though they they spent so long trying to get away from from DOS, you know, when Windows originally, you know, you had to boot up to DOS, then you booted up Windows, and they made a big deal about like you don't need DOS anymore. <laughs> Here's the OS, and now we're going back. It's like sometimes okay, you you're just not want it. booting on DOS, but damn it, let's get back to the command line. <laughs> Yeah, because every time place. I get a brand new shiny SSD, I don't have to use disk part to make sure it's a bootable disk, do I? You don't have to. Well, I don't have to, but <laughs> I don't want to download umpteen billion stupid things, <laughs> and I don't want to clone it either. All right, so last item up: seven nanometer process. Yeah, you know it's uh, <clears throat> some interesting things happen in the past couple of weeks. Global foundries and. Uh, their uh, their big company ATIC is that right? I can't remember. I think so. Uh, yeah, they uh, they they purchased. Well, it's kind of a reverse purchase. <clears throat> IBM's foundry business and uh, a lot of the research stuff. So not only did they get all the foundries, but IBM actually gave them like one point six billion dollars. So it was worth IBM's time to just give it all away. And give them one point six billion dollars than to even mess with it ever again, because going below fourteen nanometers, as we will soon find out, hell, even going below twenty two nanometers has been pretty horrific, and it's cost a lot of money, it's cost a lot of time, there's a lot of people involved trying to get all this stuff to work. And uh, we can see now why Global Foundries wanted to get a hold of this because they've been behind the ball pretty much since they came into exception. Uh, TSMC has been ahead of them primarily most of the time. Intel obviously is ahead of everybody else in terms of of complex ASIC development with process nodes and, and advanced geometries. So now Global Foundries through IBM has had access to a very new, very basic, limited 7 nanometer process kind of proof of of it working process node. Now, this obviously is not going to be something that you will see anytime soon. It's going to be many years down the line, but they know the basis is there and they can get there just a lot of work needs to be done. And that kind of, you know, segues into <clears throat> another thing. Uh, Intel announced earnings, we'll have, you know, some more about that here tomorrow. But the thing that they essentially talked about was TikTok is a little extended now. 
we can't quite get to 10 nanometer in the time that we were hoping to. So we're going to introduce another 14 nanometer processor. So it's what Broadwell was the first. Mm-hmm. Now Skylake, which is coming up, and now it's what KB Lake. Yeah, still not sure how to yeah. pronounce that. Haven't yeah. heard anyone say it yet. Yeah, yeah I think it's KB. KB Lake. KB. Why not? It ain't Cannon Lake, that's for sure. No, it is not. It's not Camel River either, but we're not going to go there. <laughs> but anyway. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, everybody has got problems with process nodes. It's, it's becoming extremely complex. ASML finally has shipped uh, its 100-watt UV, uh, EUV uh, uh, photolithography machines to a handful of guys. I think they're shipping five or six this year. And these are very expensive machines. And not only are they expensive, but you have to then readjust your process flow and a lot of the technology in the other stages of the process to be able to handle this lithography stage. And uh, EUV won't be... I, I would think that maybe the first products would be late 2016 if everything went really well. Otherwise, we're looking at mid to late 2017. And in the meantime, and guys, I can tell, Global Foundries, TSMC, they're doing all kinds of things in terms of lithography stage, uh, double patterning. They're looking to do triple patterning. And that gets really expensive because masks are not cheap. And you are also slowing down uh, how many wafers you can put through a day and a month by having you know these, these multiple you know, pattern and exposures. And it's pretty grim. It's not, I think we've been talking about this for ages, well, at least for the last, what, since 2008. I know that I had written something in 2005 about slowing down the process migration, but that was back in the 130 nanometer days. Now we're, you know, 10 times smaller than that. And, and we're seeing some real issues with being able to do this stuff cost-effectively and be able to design everything that's going to work electrically because we're seeing some really interesting things even with 14 nanometer FinFET from, uh, from Intel. This is their, I think you'd kind of call it their third-generation FinFET. There was 22 nanometer FinFET, then 14, and then kind of their 14 plus. And... It just doesn't seem to scale well with power in an effective manner. So Broadwell, that we've seen so far, has all been a lot of mobile stuff. And that has been for about the past, what, nine months since uh, we saw uh, some of the first introductions and some of the the first products around CES time. So, you know, we're we're looking six to eight months uh, from when we first saw these products. And uh, the Broadwell socketed again. We're seeing what two or four SKUs four of that. And, yeah. And now we're jumping into Skylake. And yes, eventually there's going to be a Xeon that's going to be higher power. But we just we're just not seeing this stuff. I mean, it's process tech is is hard, and they spend a lot of money to get to where we're at. And and certainly. It seems like 
the basic tools are going to be available to everybody. And the challenges are going to be tremendous no matter who you are. So it's, it, there's some, some speculation that, that below 14 nanometer, Intel is going to have a lot more competition from the foundry guys. Just because there's been so many roadblocks, so many stops, and they're all facing the same issues, that throwing money at it, it's going to help, but it's not going to be as effective as we had seen in previous process nodes. So it's neat to see that uh, you know IBM made this, uh, this technology show. Uh, maybe this will make the jump to 10 nanometer for global foundries a little bit easier. But again, like Samsung, Global Foundries, I can't remember who the third guy is that's, that's in the, the common, uh, common group for process technology that's all sharing the 14 nanometer FinFET. Uh, if they will benefit from this, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see because our future phones, GPUs, everything is going to rely on this technology that is based on, as far as I'm concerned, PFM, just pure freaking magic. You get much smaller. It is going to be PFM because you know you well, kind of run out of atoms. Effects. Yeah, it's like yeah, we made this transistor. Schrodinger's a transistor. Yeah, it, never know if it's on or off. The, well, you never know if it's there if it exists anymore <laughs> after you turned it on and off one time, <laughs> because the atoms just kind of like got entrained with the current flow and just kind of like gone. Yeah, and somebody made a good point in the chat. I was saying, isn't Josh just making all this stuff up and nobody feels like they know enough to, to tell him he's full of shit? <laughs> well, there could be some truth here, but. I think we'll this see. is called, like, life. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's pretty much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's that. Let's move on to hardware and software picks. Jeremy, you're up. Oh, you found something that was out of stock. Well, it's been in and out of stock, oh. uh, which is both encouraging and discouraging. But this is the first time I have actually seen a non-X R9 Fury for sale. And thanks goes out to uh, a Jonathan, a reader of ours for quite a while now, who pointed it out to me. I, I've seen it go out of stock and come back in, and apparently it's out of stock. So keep your eye on it, because you can search... B&H, Newegg, and uh, Amazon, and you will not find this bloody thing except for this fancy little link, which I don't know how he squirreled out, but uh, keep an eye on it if you are actually looking to buy one of these cards. And the best part is, when it's been selling, it's been selling at maybe 10 or 15 bucks over the MSRP that uh, was quoted to Ryan in his review. It's not going at, an, at a ridiculous price. All right. So keep your eye on it if you want to buy it. Cool. He probably just looked out and searched for it like while they had it in stock. Because then it would have showed up. Probably. I guess. Oh no, because I was looking for one uh, when I was posting something a while ago and it was coming up no results except for a couple of systems that had Fury in them, which huh. was really helpful. <laughs> Alright, cool. Well, that link will be in the show notes for those listening. Next up, Josh. Me. So, this is you know, probably not new to a lot of people, but uh, Jam Tree Size saved me kind of uh, a lot of time this week. It was a server that suddenly ran out of all kinds of space on its primary OS SSD. 
and uh, I was able to download this, run it, and find that uh, the stinking page file, the guy who had installed this did not manually set the page file to certain limits. And on a 240-gig drive, it ate up 190 gigs. And we were running into problems. I wonder obviously. what application did a runaway memory allocation. Uh, we got multiple statisticians all running R. Oh, yeah, that'll do and it. they run multiple instances of multiple users. And, uh, yeah, it, uh, it, gets, it gets sick fast. Yeah. Even with 64 gigs of main memory, it just yep. ate into that page file like nobody's business. Wow. So, tree size. It showed me right away who the largest offender was, which was the page file. It's <laughs> always the page the file. One, the Next one time file. somebody tries to jam your radar or your page yeah. file. Yeah, the one file that was 90% of the capacity of the <laughs> The SSD. first time you run, run one of those apps, it's always the page file. Because you never think of setting the page file size until you run yeah. out of space. It's true. Yeah. And the hibernate file. Yeah, that's another one, which you can't disable unless you just do the little command prompt string to... Mm-hmm. kill hibernation which is very handy to have yes yep yeah there's a few things that i just have as like batch files and reg files that just like a directory full every time i just i have maintained <laughs> a directory full it's on my dropbox so it's like i'll do an install i'll install dropbox it'll pull that folder down and then i'll just like run like nine different things real quick and it'll change a whole bunch of windows crap <laughs> anyway all right next up uh, so we were doing some things that required hex editing the end of a hard drive the other day. And I went to my trusty, like, runtime software that I usually do, and I couldn't figure out what I did with my license for it. And I was like, dang it, okay, I just need a hex editor for a hard drive. That's like, you'd figure it would be a simple thing. But I went through several of them until I landed on this, which is HXD. It's just a freeware hex editor and disk editor. I was only using the disk edit portion, but you know, it was able to do what I needed it to do, um, and it can handle hard drives up to eight exabytes. So, I think that's big. I think it's, I think it's good for like you know the future and stuff. Um, the next twenty years, yeah, you should be good for a while with this. Um, yeah, and I mean, it was you know pretty speedy little app, low you know, not bloaty. Got the job done. Really, your hex editor wasn't bloaty? Well, I've seen some bloaty hex editors. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, people try to, you know, cram plugins and a bunch of other crap <laughs> into them, and I just needed to just see what was on the disk. Simplicity. I needed this simple. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. It was cool and free. Uh, probably the, the way that people like it the best. It does have a donate button. Because hex editors have never been used to get stuff for free. Never. Never. No. Mind you, in some of our viewers' lifetimes, maybe not. <laughs> that was a while ago, wasn't it? Or, All right. Or just modern, poorly coded software. So, uh, chat people, I guess I'll probably stick around for a few minutes after and answer questions. I don't know if the rest of you guys will or not. Or rolling. I know if Ken decides he's going to leave, then just everything just goes away. I'll just so. walk out the door, leave the stream running. Yeah, he just walks out the door. I'm that surprised band- you haven't left already. Abandons me. Who yeah. says I haven't? There's no uh, camera pointed at me. Yeah, he's just you don't re- know where I'm at. He's just remoted in from like he's doing this from home. Man, that's the dream. Um, but before we close, uh, uh, 
obviously you can get this podcast if you are not already subscribed to it from uh, pcpro.com slash podcast. Maybe you're just listening to someone else's playing our awesome podcast. Um, you can tweet us, twitter.com slash Ryan Shrout gets the boss. Twitter.com slash pcpro gets, well, pretty much any of us that happen to be paying attention to it. Um, and of course, all of us have our own Twitter handles and whatnot. Uh, don't forget, subscribe. Check us out on YouTube. Subscribe there. Thumbs up stuff at random. You know, all that stuff that helps us out in the long run. If you buy stuff off of Amazon, get there from a link in one of our articles. That helps us a lot, actually. It doesn't cost you any more, but it helps us a pretty good deal. It's to the point where we buy all of our own stuff using our own link from <laughs> the Amazon. Well, well, first we buy Amazon gift cards using our link for that amount, and then buy the uh, actually that's the, that's the really that's the yeah. really crazy one. So if you use a link from one of our articles and then you buy a gift card, we get a percentage off of that, which is awesome in the first place. But then if you use that gift card again, still through our affiliate link, then there's a compounded percentage off of that. I don't know why Amazon hasn't wised up to this. Just shh. Don't well, they them. will have now. Don't tell them. But yeah. I mean, you have to take the added step, like, you know, it's kind of cumbersome. You know, you put the stuff in your cart, you figure out how much it is, then you... Because you can buy a gift card in an exact amount. Like, you don't even have to have an excess, right? You can be like, okay, this is $100.06. You buy a $100.06 six cent gift card, and then you can turn it right back around and use it. Anyway. It's basically money laundering. It kind of, yeah. It's, well, it's, I feel like it's almost like just stealing money from Amazon. <laughs> it's not laundering. It's just, you're just taking, like, they're giving you percentages. Anyway, but all that stuff that comes in from that affiliate link, it just goes right back into, you know, the stuff that we do for the site, paying the bills, whatnot. Um, and I guess that's it. I'm Alan Malmazano. I'm Jeremy Hellstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. And that's it. Stay tuned next week for The Boss. Should be back. Maybe bouncing the baby on the, on the table here. Oh, God, we hope he's back. We, we do hope he's back. Yep. Yeah.